and preach your word. I pray that you'd help us all to be attentive. Help us to be able to learn something from your scriptures, Lord. We love you so much. In your precious and holy name, I pray. Amen. Alright, so we read there uh, Genesis chapter number 3. And we have there an account of uh, what is commonly known as the fall of man or the first sin. And I really don't have much of an introduction. I mean, it's a pretty basic story. A very well-known story, so let's just get right into it. Uh, Point number one I want you to look at is the first sin. Point number one, the first sin. If you're there in in Genesis chapter number 3, look at Genesis chapter number 2 and look at verse 16. Genesis chapter number 2 and look at verse 16. The Bible says, And the Lord commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. So, we, we see that, and I want you to look at uh, Genesis 2.16, because we see that God's command. God commanded Adam and Eve, He said, Thou shalt not eat of the tree of the garden, uh, of the knowledge of the good and evil. And Eve and Adam, their disobedience there, was the very first sin. Now, uh, first thing I want you to know from this is this. All sin is a sin of disobedience. All sin is a sin of disobedience. Some people say, well, Adam and Eve's sin was that they were eating of a, eat, that they ate of a forbidden fruit. You know, that, that's not necessarily that there was a fruit that was forbidden and, and they ate of that, that, that they ate the fruit wasn't necessarily the sin. The sin was that they disobeyed God when God said, don't eat of the fruit. Uh, uh, their sin wasn't that they ate an apple. Uh, the Bible only calls it fruit, by the way. You know, uh, we, we say that it's an apple and, and people think of an apple when they think of Adam and Eve. But the Bible never tells us it was an apple. It only refers to it as a fruit. <clears throat> Could have been an orange for all we know. Uh, but, you know, so the Bible only calls it fruit. And we don't know what type of fruit it was, but their sin was a sin of disobedience. And that is all sin. All sin is a sin of disobedience. Now, I want you to go with me, please, to the book of 1 John in the, in the New Testament. Uh, if, if you're new to Verity Baptist Church, you might want to just get used to this. We look at a lot of Bible. Because that is the most important thing that we could do, is we're here to learn and study the Bible. So I want you to look at 1 John, chapter number 3. Now, it's not John. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John at the beginning of the New Testament. Towards the end of the New Testament, there's the book of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, Jude, then Revelation. So if you find yourself right at the end of Revelation, and you want to go uh, to the left of that, you'll find one very small book called Jude, and then you'll find 3rd and 2nd John, and just go to 1st John, chapter number 3, and look at verse number 4. 1st John, chapter number 3, and look at verse number 4. The Bible says, Whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law. And look what it says. For sin is the transgression of the law. That word transgression means a violation of a law, a violation of a command, or a violation of a duty. So the Bible says that sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is to violate the law, or sin is to disobey the law. So all sin is a sin of disobedience. Does that make sense? Now, go back with me to Genesis, chapter number 3. And I want you to look at this. The consequence of their sin is this, death. The consequence of their sin is that the Bible, if you remember, God said, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, He said, thou shalt surely die. So the consequence of their sin was death. Now, I told you to go back to Genesis chapter number 3, but I actually want you to just go to Genesis chapter 5. I want you to look at something in Genesis chapter number 5. And look at verse number 3. Genesis chapter number 5, and look at verse number 3. Now, God's, uh, 
for sin. Once that they would die, correct? That's what he said. Now, but look at Genesis chapter number 5 and verse 3. The Bible says, And Adam lived in 130 years, and begat a son uh, in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. And the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Adam, and all the days that Adam lived, were 930 years, and he died. So according to the Bible, according to Genesis chapter number 5, verse 3, the Bible says that Adam lived 930 years. Uh, you say, that's a long time. Yeah, uh, you know, I wouldn't explain that to you. That's a whole other sermon in and of itself. But the, the point I'm trying to make is this. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree, they didn't die immediately. They didn't die a physical death. Does that make sense? Now, God said that the day he eat thereof, thou shalt surely die, is what God said. So, Adam and Eve, if they did not die a physical death immediately, then what did they die? And here's the answer. They died a spiritual death. Adam and Eve were spiritually alive until the day they sinned. Now, I, I just want to explain this, and I'm, I'm kind of just laying the foundation so you understand. The Bible says that, that, that the Bible says three bear record in heaven. Uh, and it talks about the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Uh, and it talks about uh, the, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And it says that three bear record on earth. And the Bible says that, that, that today we are three people. There, there is our body, which is the representation of Jesus Christ. God in the flesh. And then there is our soul. That's who we are. And that, that would represent God the Father. But then there is also a spirit. And that represents the Holy Spirit. But our spirit, the Bible says when we sin, when Adam and Eve sinned, when they disobeyed God for the first time, they died that same moment their spirit died. Now their physical body started deteriorating. And their physical body started dying. And it didn't actually physically die until 900 and some odd years later. But that moment, spiritually, they were dead. Man. Now I want, you to, I want you to look at something just real quick. Go with me to the book of Romans in the, in the New Testament. If you, if you start at the beginning of the New Testament, you'll have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 7, and look at verse 7. Romans chapter number 7, and look at verse 7. The Bible says, this is Paul speaking, the Bible says, What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. So Paul says, I would, have, I would not have known what sin is if it wasn't because of the law. For I had not known lust, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of concupiscence. For without the law, sin was dead. For I was alive without the law once. This is what I want you to see, this is very important. Romans chapter 7, verse 9. Paul says, For I was alive without the law once. But when the commandment came, talking about the law, sin revived, and I died. Paul said, There was a time when I was alive without the law. But when the commandment of God came, the Bible says, Paul said, The commandment came, sin revived, and he said, At that moment, I died. And the commandment which was ordained to life. He said, this commandment that God gave us, this law that God gave us, this book that God gave us that was meant to be life. He said, I found to be unto death. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it slew me, is what Paul said. Now, I'm taking the time to show you this because there's very important doctrine that goes with this. When 
Adam and Eve, when God created them, they were body, soul, and spirit. But the moment that they sinned, the Bible says their spirit died. Now I want you to see this. Go with me, you're in the book of Romans, go with me to John. John chapter number 3, very well-known verses in the Bible. We're just laying the foundation, really, uh, so you can understand uh, the point that we're trying to make. Uh, John chapter number 3, and look at verse 18. John chapter number 3, and look at verse 18. I'll give you a moment to get there. John chapter number 3, and look at verse 18. The Bible says, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But look what it says. But he that believeth not, look what it says, is condemned already. Because he did not believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. See, God says, the moment your spirit died, hey, you may not be condemned right then as, as in physically. You may at that moment not be in hell, but God says, you're as good as in hell. When you're condemned, when your spirit dies, it says, hey, you are condemned already. Now just real quick, mate, I just want to show you the verses. Go with me to the book of Revelation, chapter number 20. Revelation is the last book in the Bible. And go to chapter number 20, and look at verse uh, 14. Revelation chapter number 20 and look at verse 14. Revelation chapter number 20 and verse 14. The Bible says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So God, the Bible makes a reference there of the second death. Uh, the second death, or uh, the first death will be a physical death. One day this body's going to die. But after that death comes that second death. And the Bible says, Being cast into the lake of fire is the second death. Now you're in Revelation 20.14. Drop down to Revelation 21.8. Revelation 21.8. God gives us a list in Revelation 21.8 of who's going to hell. And He says, But the fearful, and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters. That's a pretty bad list, right? I mean, He's saying murderers, abominable, whoremongers. But look what He says. Uh, the fearful, unbelieving, and abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters. And look at that last part. He says, And all, what's that say? Liars. Shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. The Bible says in Romans chapter number 3, verse 4, Let God be true, but every man a liar. And the point that God is trying to make is this. We're all sinners. And the Bible says that Adam and Eve, they died the day they sinned. They died. Now you say, well God, people scoff at the Bible and they say, well God said that on the day that they eat of the tree, they shall surely die. And He didn't die until 900 years later. Well, what they don't understand is that, yes, He didn't die a physical death, but He was as good as dead. Because the moment He disobeyed, remember what Paul said, He said, the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. Why is that so important? Well, there, there are those who would say this morning, and, and, and I just want to teach you this real quick, it's not part of the sermon really, but I just want to teach you this. There are those who would say this morning that a child, if he dies, will go to hell. And let me tell you something, that is just completely untrue, that is doctrine out of the pit of hell. Uh, there is a, a very popular uh, radio preacher, his name is Harold Camping, you may have heard of him, and uh, he, he's based out of Oakland, California, and I've heard Harold Camping, I've read a few things, where he says that, that children, he's a, he's a Calvinist, and he believes that God chooses who will and will not die, uh, will not go to hell, he does, we don't have a free choice, I mean, God either chooses you to be saved, or He chooses you to go to hell, and the, the Bible obviously speaks volumes against that, I mean, John 3.16 says that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, I mean, God says whosoever will may come, so we, we understand that, but, but there's people who believe that a child will die and go to hell. Uh, if they die, they will go to hell. And that's not true. When a child is born, the Bible says that they are born with a spirit that is alive. 
And it's not until the moment that that child understands the law, and understands that he has broken that law, and understands what sin is, like Paul said, sin taking occasion by the commandment. It says that sin took advantage of that commandment, and wrought in me all manner of conspicuousness. I, I mispronounced that word. Forgive me. But he says, for without the law, sin was dead. He said, sin was dead. It couldn't affect me without the law. He said, for I was alive without the law once. He said, when I was a baby and I didn't understand the law, he said, I was alive. But when the commandment came, sin revived. And he said, at that moment, I died. So, if anybody ever tries to tell you that a baby will die and go to hell if they die... uh, because they died in their sin, they, they are completely wrong, and you can just tell Harold Camping that he can stick that in his pipe and smoke it if he wants to. But that's what the Bible says. The Bible says that that you know, it's funny that when the commandment comes, that's when you die. And Adam and Eve died when the commandment came. Now it is true that because of Adam's sin, death passed upon all of us. If uh, I don't know where you're at, I've already forgotten, but just go to Romans. Go to Romans chapter number five. Go to Romans chapter number 5. And there's other verses that I can prove to you that children do not die and go to hell. If they die, I'll just give you one real quick example. Uh, while you're turning to Romans, 2 Samuel chapter number 12 and verse 22, the Bible says, um, the context of the story is when David uh, committed adultery and God was correcting him. And the Bible says that God killed that baby that came from adultery in 2 Samuel 12, 22. Uh, I'll just read to you. It says, And he said, While the child was yet alive, I fasted and wept, for I said, Who can tell whether God will gracious will be gracious to me uh, that the child may live? But now he is dead. Referring to the child. He says, Now he is dead. Wherefore, should I fast? Can I bring him back again? And this is what David said. He said, I shall go to him. Talking about the child, he said, I will go to him, but he shall not return to me. So David was saying, I am saved. I am on my way to heaven. And he said, one day I will go to that child, but that child cannot come to me because the child was dead. So David was showing there that the child was in heaven because obviously David was saved. Uh, But are you in Romans? Look at chapter 5. Romans chapter number 5 and look at verse 12. The Bible says, Wherefore as by one man, referring to Adam, Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Because of Adam's sin, death passed upon all of us. And those, but, but, but those who die in innocence are not condemned until they understand the law. Look, look salvation and we're going to get to get to this later in the sermon. Salvation is what you believe. In order to believe, the Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That, that word believe is the same word faith. And salvation is what you believe. It's your faith. And in order to believe something, you have to be able to understand it. If you don't have the ability to believe, or think, or understand, then you, like a child does, like, like my two-year-old son, or my, my uh, one-year-old son, then they're not going to be judged, because they don't have the ability to believe. You must be able to understand sin in order to be condemned. And you have to be able to understand the difference of sin. That's why Adam and Eve, they ate of the tree of what? Of the knowledge of good and evil. When they had the knowledge of what was good and what was evil or what was right and what was wrong, then at that point, they were accountable to God. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? So once you understand what right and wrong are, then, then at that point, we can present to you God's plan for salvation, uh, which is that you are a sinner. And the law teaches you that. The Bible says in... Uh, I have it in my notes here. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Uh, you don't have to turn there. But the Bible says... 
Well, do you remember uh, Romans 7, 7? He said, I had not known sin, but by the law. He said, uh, for I had not known lust. He said, I would have never known what lust is, except the law had said, thou shalt not covet. Let me read these verses for you. You can jot them down if you want. You don't have to turn there. Galatians chapter number 3 and verse 24. The Bible says, wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. That we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under the schoolmaster. That word schoolmaster is referring to a teacher. And and in Galatians there, the Bible says that the law was our schoolmaster. Or the law was our teacher. The, The purpose of the Ten Commandments and the purpose of all the commandments of the Bible was to teach us that we are a sinner. Because we look at the Ten Commandments and then we see, man... My life doesn't hold up to those commandments. My life doesn't hold up to what the Bible says. I can't fulfill that law. And then that law teaches me that I'm a sinner. And that law teaches me that I need a Savior. And that's why it says, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Because when we look at the law and we say, I can't fulfill that law. Then at that moment we understand we need a Savior. And you must be able to understand that you need a Savior in order to get saved. And only at this point, can you choose, once you understand you're a sinner, your sin has a penalty, and you need a Savior, at that point, then you can choose to either accept or reject Jesus Christ as your Savior. And at that point, but when you understand good and evil. See, my sons, they're bad. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> but, uh, but, they're, but they don't understand good and evil. You know, they're children. They don't, they, they're very young children. Uh, they, don't, they don't really understand the difference between uh, good and evil or sin. Uh, but anyway, let's go back to Genesis chapter number 3. And let me show you just a real good way of how to know when someone is still in innocence. And, and this is uh, just, just for your knowledge, just so you know. Uh, Genesis, look at Genesis chapter number 3 and look at verse 7. Genesis chapter number 3 and look at verse 7. The Bible says, And the eyes of them both were open. We're talking about Adam and Eve. Genesis chapter number... I'll wait for you to get there. Genesis chapter number 3 and verse 7. The Bible says, And the eyes of them both were open." And they knew, look what it says, when their eyes were open, they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. You know, you say, well, if I have a child, how do I know when that, when I, when that child is ready to be saved? Or how do I know when that child may be close to, to, to ready to understand the gospel? Well, here's a good thing, when they know they're naked. You know, I have a little two-year-old son here, and he'll be taking a bath, and sometimes he'll, he'll get out of the bath, and he'll start running around the house completely naked. And you know what? He has no shame. <laughs> you know why? Because he doesn't know the difference between good and evil. You know, when you have a little child, little baby, you can take their clothes off and let them run around, and they, clothes on, no clothes on, they don't know the difference. Sometimes my, my one-year-old, he'll be fully clothed, and he'll be getting into stuff, and he'll be climbing up the stairs when he's not supposed to, and we're not, you know, we, we miss him doing that or something. And uh, as he's doing things, his clothes will slowly come off of him, you know, like his pants will slowly, and you'll see him, and he'll have like one pant leg on and one pant leg on, and as he's going, like his, his clothes will slowly come off of him, he doesn't even notice, because he's a baby. And Adam and Eve, the Bible says, that when they ate of the knot, they, they were naked, is what the Bible says, and they were not, and they were not ashamed. But the moment they ate of the tree, and they had the, their eyes were open, and they knew the difference between good and evil, and at that moment they looked down and they said, whoa, we're naked. You know? So, you know, that's a good, good way to know. When my son starts getting to the point where he starts getting embarrassed a little bit, when, he's, when he doesn't have his clothes on, then I know it's time to deal with salvation with him. So that's just good Bible uh, knowledge there, good Bible doctrine. Uh, if a child... Uh, so, so we have that point there, that children are, are, are st- their spirit isn't dead until they, the, they understand uh, the difference between good and evil, they understand the law. So let's get off of that point. You're in Genesis chapter number 3, look at verse 8. Genesis chapter number 3 and look at verse 8. The first, verse we were, the first point was, the, uh, was we're dealing with the sin, the first sin. 
Point number two, the loss of a relationship. Point number two, the loss of a relationship. Look at verse 8. The Bible says, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Now, look, God, the Bible says that God is all-knowing. And He already knew that Adam and Eve had sinned. He already knew that they were hiding. But in love, He's still reaching out to them. Still calling out to them. He's still, if you look there, the Bible says that the Lord God was walking in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees in the garden. And just look at verse 9. And the Lord God, I mean, you've got to keep in mind, we were just a few weeks ago in Genesis chapter number 1, and we were talking about how this God with His Word created the universe. This God with His Word created the heavens and the earth and all that, there, uh, that, that, that is therein. And this God who knows everything, this God who is all-powerful, this God who could, I mean, He knows everything about us. Verse 9 says, And the Lord God called unto Adam, and said unto him, Where art thou? And I, I just have this, this imagery, and I'm watching this all-powerful God who knows everything. He knows they've sinned. He knows the conversation that Adam and Eve, that Eve had with the serpent. He knows that Eve was deceived and ate up the apple. He knows that Eve took the... Uh, the you see that? I said apple. You know, it's just this world just like completely... Uh, brainwashes us. He knows that Eve ate of the fruit. He knows that Eve gave of that fruit to her husband. He knows all of this, but God still calls out and says, where art thou? And you know, it's just this relationship that God had. you got to keep in mind, God is all everlasting. And God created Adam and Eve. The Bible says that we were created for His pleasure, for His glory, in order to have a relationship with Him. I mean, I can only imagine as God who created this one man and this one woman and the purpose of Adam and Eve was to bring pleasure to God. To have a relationship with God. I mean, it's very clear the Bible says that He walked in the garden. I mean, God, maybe He had an appointed time every day when He would come down and He would walk by the garden and He would walk with, uh, with Adam and He would walk with Eve and He would conversate with them and He would have a... I can imagine that maybe every day He looked forward to that time when He would go down and He would spend time with Adam and spend time with Eve and I can only imagine this God from heaven watching Eve take of the fruit. As you watch those, His friends, those He created... He probably, I mean, his heart must have broken. Could you imagine that? His heart must have broken as he watched his only friendship, his only relationship, be destroyed by sin. Let me, let me share with you a few verses. You don't have to turn there. But I just want to show you, show you this. If you want to write these down and look at them yourself. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 and verse 18, the Bible says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself. By Jesus Christ, and have given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors of Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. From that moment that Adam and Eve destroyed that relationship that they had with God, from that very moment, God has been doing one thing, reconciling us unto Himself. But you know what the sad thing is? That today, Christians, 
who God has saved, who God has redeemed, who God has reconciled, today, Christians still choose to allow sin to come in between their relationship with God. And I, and I, and I feel as if God, still to this day, His heart breaks. Go with me to the book of Matthew. I just want to show you this real quick. Matthew chapter number 23. Very first book in the New Testament. Matthew chapter number 23 and look at verse 37. Matthew chapter number 23 and look at verse 37. If you have a red letter edition, you'll see that these, this verse is in red. That means that these were words that Jesus Christ spoke. That literally came out of His mouth. Matthew chapter 23 and look at verse 37. Look at, look at what Jesus said. The Bible says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. He says, How often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her figs. And look what he says, And ye would not. Let me read a, this verse for you. James chapter number 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? That word enmity means the state or feeling of being actively opposed or hostile to someone or something. God says that as you make friends with the world, He said you actively oppose yourself to God. God says as you get friendship with the world, you actively become hostile to God. He says, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world, is, listen clearly, very powerful statement. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. The Bible says that when you become a friend of the world, you become the enemy of God. You set yourself at enmity with God. And the sad thing is that the moment that Adam and Eve took of that fruit and sinned against God, they set themselves against God. And the sad thing is that today, Christians all across America, all across this world, actively put themselves in a hostile opposition to God. And here's the sad thing, they don't even care. The God who created them, the God who died on the cross for them, the God who reconciled them to them, the God who says uh, that I would gather you up, and I would, I would pick you up, and I would bring you to me, and I would love you, and Jesus Christ, as His heartbreak says, and ye would not. Amen. What to God would have some Christians tonight who say, I don't want to be enemies with God. Friendship with the world is not worth being an enemy of God. Go back to Genesis chapter number 3 and look at verse 8. The Bible says they were ashamed because of their sin. They were ashamed because of their sin. Actually, I'll read for you Genesis chapter number 3 verse 8. You go to Jeremiah chapter number 6 and verse 15. Find Jeremiah chapter number 6 and verse 15. It's one of those big uh, books towards the end of the New Testament. One of those big prophets there. Jeremiah chapter number... Uh, what did I say? S Jeremiah chapter number 6. Is that what I said? Um, Jeremiah, yeah, Jeremiah chapter number 6 and look at verse 15. Jeremiah in the Old Testament. Uh, 6.15. Okay, if, you, if you, you want to go towards the end of the Old Testament, there's those three big prophets there. Uh, uh, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah. And uh, so, so just find Jeremiah there. And I'll read for you uh, Genesis 3.8. The Bible says, 
And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, look what it says. Or, sorry, don't look at what it says. I'll read it for you. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto, unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So, so when Adam and Eve sinned and when they understood sin, the Bible says they were ashamed of their nakedness. And when they heard God coming, they, they hid because of their sin. But look at Jeremiah 6.15. Are you there? I, I really want you to see it. Jeremiah chapter number 6 and verse 15. This verse is also found in Jeremiah chapter number 8 and verse 12. It's pretty much the exact same verse. In Jeremiah chapter number 6 and verse... Uh, you go to 6.15, but 8.12 says the same thing. And look what it says. It says, Were they ashamed when they had committed abominations? Nay. They were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore, they shall fall amongst them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord God. Isn't that amazing? God, God asked this question, were they ashamed when they committed abominations? And then He answers us, nay, they weren't ashamed. He says, they couldn't even blush. You know what blushing means? I don't have the ability to blush because of my skin color. But, but blushing is this, when you get embarrassed. You know, your skin, turn, your, your skin turns pink or red, right? And the Bible says that these people, you know, I, I think I, I get this illustration, when you get, when you, when you take a, a little girl, and, and please don't ever do this, but, but I, I've heard people say this, when you take a little girl, and maybe you put some immodest clothing on her for the first time, like a, like a bathing suit, or like a, like a little mini skirt, you know, what to God, you'll never do that if you have a little daughter, but if you do that, you know, usually the first time, a little girl will be embarrassed, you know, because she has an understanding of her nakedness, and she might blush. But you know, the older those girls get, and the older, and people tell them, oh, it's okay, that's accepted in our society, you just put the miniskirt on, it's no problem, you just put that bathing suit on, it's no problem, and as they get older, and as they get older, and as they get older, all of them, now you have girls walking around, pretty much naked, I mean, according to the Bible, I mean, just completely unclothed, without the ability to even blush about it, without the ability to be embarrassed about it, and here's the sad thing, we got Christians walking around, that don't even have the ability, what to God we at least have some Adams and Eves, who would say, hey, when God comes, at least I'm ashamed of my sin. At least I'm ashamed of my sin. At least, but here's what we have. We have Christians saying, well, I go to church Sunday morning. I go to church on Sunday night or whenever. I go to church whenever. And I'll just go to church. And I don't really care how I live. I may present myself before God, but I'm not even ashamed of what I do. You know, I, I don't... I don't have a Facebook account. I've never been on... I can tell you the honest truth. I've never even been on Facebook. But I hear from people, uh, and, and Christians and worldly people, like at my job and stuff. And I hear this. This is the one thing I hear about Facebook. I hear that people put all their garbage on Facebook. I don't know if you've ever seen that. But they'll, they'll go on Facebook and they'll put all their sin, all their filth, all their, their adultery. And, and people uh, at my job, people will get it, be getting... Uh, spouses find out that their spouses are cheating on them through Facebook. And, and we live in the society that has no shame, no regard. They say, I sin, I'm in filth, I'm against God, I'm an enemy of God. And you have no shame. And God says, they can't even blush. You say, are you preaching them against Facebook? You better believe I'm preaching against Facebook. You say, well, that's kind of weird. Hey, welcome to Verity Baptist Church. Welcome to an old-fashioned, independent, fundamental Baptist Church. Because what to God would get back in America to the place where at least people were ashamed of their sin. Where at least people would hide their sin. There was a day when a teenager got pregnant and she'd be sent away because her family was ashamed of that sin. There was a day when homosexuals wouldn't be walking around with gay pride and, and showing up. They'd at least get in the closet. 
know why they don't stay in the closet? Because preachers all across America refuse to preach like this. And that's going to change here. You know, the rest of California might just pedal to the homosexual agenda, but it won't happen here. It won't happen at Verity Baptist Church. We're going to preach, and, we're, and hopefully somebody will get ashamed of their sin. The Bible says that they hid themselves from the presence of God. You think they would have been in church on Sunday in their adultery? You think they would have been at church on Sunday in their fornication? You think they would have been in church on Sunday after drinking alcohol Saturday night? No, sir! They were ashamed. But today we have no shame. Jeremiah says they can't even blush. They could they blush? They they neither couldn't blush is what the Bible says. What to God would you get some people to get ashamed of their sin? Well, let me show you how to deal with sin. Gen- go back to Genesis chapter number three, look at verse eleven. Genesis chapter number three and look at verse eleven. Pastor Jimenez, what are you saying? I shouldn't come to church if I'm in sin? No, I'm saying get right with God. Genesis chapter number 3 and look at verse 11. The Bible says, And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Has thou eaten of the tree? Whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Number one, on how to deal with sin. When dealing with sin, you've just got to admit it. Don't play the blame game. Adam says, Well, the woman you gave me. And she says, Well, the snake beguiled me. Look, when you're going to, you've got to be like David when he was found in adultery, and Nathan came to him and put his uh, little bony finger in his face, and he said, Thou art the man, and and David just broke and wept before God and said, I have sinned against God. When you're going to deal with sin, you've got to admit it. You can't play this blame game. Well, it was my husband's fault. Well, it was my wife's fault. Well, it's my parents' fault. Well, it's the pastor's fault. No, it's my fault. You've got to admit your sin. Don't play the blame game. But to deal with sin... Well, let me before we get on the other point, I just want to show you this real quick. Look at Genesis 3.14. Um, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all... The, all cattle, and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and the and dust shalt thou eat all the days of life. Now this is just an interesting fact. I just want to show you this. Uh, but snakes uh, take particles into their mouths on their tongue to taste the air. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but that's their sense of smell. If that's if that's the if that's a stock market, just sell it, just sell all of it. It's going down. <laughs> but the Bible says that, well not the Bible says, but, but we know, if you ever think of like a snake, you know, what do you see? You're, they're always like sticking their tongue out, right? As they're going, they'll, they'll be slithering along, and they'll be sticking their tongue out. Well, what they're doing is, they're taking dust and particles from the air, and then as they take that, that's, that's their sense of smell. You know how you smell something like, you know, I smell cake, or I smell, uh, well that's how they smell. I think that's very interesting because the Bible, thousands of years before we knew that, God said to the serpent, he said, uh, "He said, Thou shalt be uh, a beast of the field upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of life. So God said, all the days of your life you're going to eat dust. And that's what snakes do. They go around, they stick their tongue out, they take particles and dust from the air, they taste the air, and that is their sense of smell. And that, that is Bible. And that, that is great. This is a scientific book. You know, don't tell me that the Bible uh, isn't relevant, because this is what happens. 
one day the world will catch up with the Bible. One day the science of this world will catch up with the Bible. One day they'll understand that God is God. But how to deal with sin? Once God confronted them with their sin, uh, he, he, we saw there the curse for the, for, the, for the serpent. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go. It seems as if at this point snakes... Uh, maybe had some sort of feed or something, some sort of a lizard, and God removed those, and He said, Thou shalt go upon thy, uh, thy belly, thou shalt go, and the dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Uh, so, but, but let's talk about this, how to deal with sin. Number one, the promise of a Redeemer. Look at verse 15. Genesis 3.15. And look what God says to the, to the serpent. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. Now, I don't have time to go there because I'm running out of time. We talked about it this morning. But the serpent is Satan, okay? It's the devil. If you don't believe me, I'll show you in Revelation how the serpent, the dragon, uh, is the devil, it's Satan. Uh, so God says to the, to the serpent, He said, I will put enmity. Do you remember what the word enmity meant? To be hostile, to be against, to be enemy. He said, I will put enmity between thee, the serpent, the devil, and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. It says, and... It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So, there's a prophecy there. God says, one day, this woman is going to deliver a seed, a child. And your seed is going to bruise its uh, heel, but he's going to bruise your head. And that was a, uh, old, the very first prophecy of Jesus Christ. God, God was saying, one day, a woman, will, uh, a virgin shall conceive, and she'll bear a child, and, and she'll bear Jesus Christ. And God's saying, now you're going to bruise his, his, his heel, because you're going to take him, and you're going to crucify him, and you're going to put him on the cross, and you're going to attack him. He said, yeah, you're going to wound him, but he said, the wound that you're going to give him isn't very good. It's just like in the heel. Now think about, if you're in battle, and you're fighting, and you get bruised in your leg, you're not dead. Now you may be hurt, but you're not dead. But God said, you will bruise his heel, but he says... He will bruise your head, a deadly wound. And, and, and that was a, a, a prophecy of Jesus Christ. And the very first thing that God does when, when He deals with their sin is He does this. He prophesies about a Redeemer. He prophesies about Jesus Christ. I want you to look at this real quickly. We're almost done, I promise. I want you to look at Genesis 3.7. Genesis 3.7 The Bible says, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. So the Bible says they knew they were naked, so they went out and they took fig leaves, they took leaves from the trees, they sewed them together, and they made aprons to cover their nakedness. Now look at uh, Genesis 3.21 Unto Adam also, and to his wife, did the Lord God make coats of skins, and clothed them. So Adam and Eve, they made these fig leaves, they took these leaves, they put them together, they made these aprons to cover their nakedness, but God says that's not good enough, and, and at the end there of the chapter, the Bible says that God made coats of skins. Now you got to understand this, and I don't have time to show it to you, so just study it out on your own. But um, in the Garden of Eden, up to that point, no animal had ever died. The Bible says that every animal in the Garden of Eden, and one day in the millennium, the Bible says that every animal will be an herbivore. They will eat grass. No animal will eat another animal. It wasn't until they sinned that the curse came on this earth, and, and animals began to be carnivores and eat each other. Does that make sense? Now, I don't know if you've ever watched an animal die, but I remember one time I had a friend who went to Germany, and they had a, a pig that they were going to, uh, they were going to kill, and he put it on, 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 on video, he, he sent it to us on the computer, and we're watching this. Now, here's the thing, 
Uh, I didn't grow up on a farm. I didn't grow up, you know, killing animals. And here's the thing. I knew what the video was about. I knew that the pig was going to die. And when they came up with a mallet and whacked it in its head and knocked it out and began to cut it open, it took me by surprise. Like, I was like, whoa. And I knew what was happening. Does that make sense? I knew that they were going to kill it. And when I saw that, for, you know, for the first time, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. Imagine Adam and Eve being in the Garden of Eden. They'd never watched any animal die. They'd never watched any other animal bleed. And they took the leaves to cover their nakedness. And God said, those fig leaves are not good enough. And the Bible says that God took an animal. And for the very first time, could you imagine being Adam and Eve and watching for the first time an animal's life be taken? Could you imagine as God, as the book of Leviticus tells us, that they'll take a knife and they'll cut its, its neck open and, and allow the blood to just drip out. Could you imagine as God took an animal and slit the throat of that, uh, of that animal and the blood began to pour, that Adam and Eve, as they watched that for the first time, and they watched what their sin had, the consequence of their sin, and they watched the, in horror, I'm sure, as God took that animal and took the meat and took the bones and took the skin and He prepared a coat for Adam and Eve. And that is a picture of salvation. See, today we have religions that say, we've got to work our ways to heaven. And see, Adam and Eve, what was the price of their, of, their, uh, fig, of their apron of figs? They had to go out and they had to find figs, build a, a, uh, a coat or not, what the, the Bible called it, an apron, and they had to put it on. So they built something to cover their nakedness. And God says, building something, making something, sewing something isn't good enough. He said, if we're going to cover your sin... It's got to be covered through death. And God, that day, was showing him. See, the Bible says that Jesus Christ, when, do, you, do you remember when in the book of John, when Jesus Christ was coming down that mountain, and John the Baptist saw Jesus Christ, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. God, at that moment, was showing Adam, and was showing Eve, was saying, Your sin has made us enemies. Your sin has... Uh, has uh, destroyed our relationship, but he said, one day I'm going to reconcile you unto myself, and here's how it's going to go. I'm going to take a lamb, I'm going to take my son, and I'm going to kill that lamb, and I'm going to kill that son, and Jesus Christ will die, and his blood will be poured, but here's the thing, because of that death, one day, Jesus Christ, the Bible says, if you accept him as your Savior, he will wrap you in himself, and he will clothe you in himself, and when God looks down from heaven, he doesn't he sees Jesus Christ coating my nakedness. And God was showing Adam and Eve, just like I'm killing this animal, and just like I'm taking this coat, and I'm removing the nice work you did of those fig leaves, and I'm clothing you in the death of this animal. One day, my son, Jesus Christ, will be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, and I will clothe you in His righteousness. How do we deal with sin? You've got to get saved. I don't know how else to put it. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't grab fig leaves and try to make an apron. God says it's not good enough. There's got to be a death. But number two, how to deal with sin, how to get restored. Now, we're, we're done. I just want to go through this real quickly. Obviously, we all deal with sin on a daily basis. Sometimes in life, you must deal with major sin or major events that happen in your life. And God gave Adam and Eve a way to get over the guilt of their sin. For Eve, He gave her a purpose. Look at verse 
16, Genesis chapter number 3, and look at verse 16. The Bible says, Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrows and thy conception, and sorrows shall thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. You say, how do I deal when I've, when I've been in sin? How do I deal with that guilt? And how do I get restored? How do I feel like I can have a relationship with God? And see, God, he, he took care of their sin debt when he killed that animal, and he said, one day I will die. But then he restores their emotion by saying, Eve, I'm going to make you a mother. Eve, I'm going to greatly multiply thy sorrow. And in thy conception, in sorrow, thou will bring forth children. And thy desire shall be... And he says, I'm going to give you a purpose for your life. How do I go through life not feeling guilty for all the sins I've committed? Not feeling guilty for all the times I've made God my enemy? Here's how we do it. You get a purpose to your life. For Eve, she could invest herself in her children. You say, well, I don't have any children. Well, she could invest herself in her husband. You say, well, I don't have a husband. She could invest herself in her family. You say, well, I don't really have a family. Hey, you got a spiritual family here at Verity Baptist Church. Why don't you just invest yourself in this family? Why don't you just invest yourself in this church? Why don't you just invest yourself in, in this community of believers here and, and get a purpose for your life? What did he say to Adam? Look at verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring for thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust shalt thou return. And God, God told Adam, here's how I'm going to restore your emotions. I'm just going to put you to work. You say, well, how do I deal with the guilt? Get to work. The reason, see, the, the reason you have all this guilt about your sin, the reason you feel like you can't do anything for God is because you're, you're being lazy when it comes to work. I'm talking about working physically. I'm talking about working for Jesus Christ. I'm talking about getting... Hey, you, you, you want to have some purpose in your life? Go out with us knocking on doors every week and, and see somebody saved. You want to have some purpose for your life? Uh, uh, get to work. Open your Bible and read it. And, and get on your knees and pray and do something. And God said, He told Adam, when you, when, when you sweat and when you toil in that ground, He said, you're going to feel accomplished. You're going to feel purpose. And in that work, in that sorrow that Eve had, He said, I'm going to restore you. But first... Because I'm going to die to reconcile you into myself. How do, we, how do we deal with sin? Well, first you've got to get saved. But secondly, you just got to get to work. Just get to work. God doesn't want you to be His enemy. But when you choose friendship with the world, you automatically make yourself an enemy with God. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you so much. And Lord, we know that